Hi. You found Kate on Rebirth. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, so here we are. I actually have, a, have some stuff I'm going to talk to you about today. I was rereading um, parts of Sharon Blackie's, B-L-A-C-K-I-E's book, If Women Rose Rooted. Um, often right before Sit Near Center uh, opens, every time it opens, um, I sort of start to revisit texts or things that are inspiring or tuning into like what I think is going on in the moment around us or, in, or connected to myself. And it brought me to this book and the quote, be the power of land speaking. So that's what today's episode is going to be about. I'm going to tell you some stories. Listen, I'm just going to Mm, disclaimer no it's called contextualization the stories that I'm going to tell you are happening in 2009 before I had any clue so you might start to listen to some of my stories and be like oh hello oblivious young girl and that is true oblivious young girl learning is one of the first stories so I own that sharing it with you anyway because how do we learn if we don't share stories stories are so powerful so powerful. And there was an episode with Anne Randolph where she talks about the power of sharing stories. And I really admire her for that. And I suggest, you know, suggest, I recommend um, listening to that if you're have a story or thinking about stories that you want to tell. Okay. Anyway, that's my cross-reference point. Let's talk about be the power of land speaking. Um, I, I did not grow up as somebody who was really into the outdoor. I mean, I loved being outdoors, but it was really a family joke that my family camped a lot and I hated it. They did it during my teenage years and I was very much into hairspray and modern conveniences. So I haven't, oh, my mom used to joke like, why are you the one that gets to live in Hawaii? <laughs> because I was really not into um, the natural way of doing or being. Um, so that's one of the backgrounds to that. When I, I did, I think, starting sort of one of the things that opened the big door for me was getting involved with yoga. And I, when I got involved with yoga, I was still very much living just a regular lifestyle, you know, like I was in my 20s. So there was like bars on Thursdays and hanging out with my friends and doing all the things. It wasn't, you know, but what I noticed is I had a lot going on in my life. I was in graduate school and working full time. And I used to go to Monday night yoga class at Yoga on Main in Philadelphia and take Anna Crane's class. And, you know, I could calm my mind and it was a way for me to like, you know, kind of like I was also running at the time. And so, you know, I would run, I would work out, I'd walk my dog, I'd go to yoga class. And that was just sort of my like physical routine to um, joyfully navigate the the workload that I had. And, you know, I was in my 20s and I'm a type A person. So I was really I really liked doing I liked the doing of it. So fast forward from taking classes to taking yoga teacher training. Fast forward that I'm a high school teacher and a yoga teacher at the same time. So life is really changing for me. I'm leaving corporate. Um, I'm like learning about like Ayurveda. I'm like learning about breathing and I'm like learning all of these things. And I um, become sort of fascinated by um, this guy that I'm dating. And people are like, he's a healer. I'm like, what does that even mean? And like, I don't really dig people with long hair. No judgment, remember context young girl learning 2000 and this is even before 2009 but um so I kind of drop into this whole other world that in my in my family structure was ne I never even heard of these things so 
I'm like cruising along teaching high school, learning all of these different um, things and people and teaching, you know, and having concepts of my own dismantled, which might be a good other um, podcast to talk about what teaching at Cheltenham High School, how that was instrumental in, in breaking my mind open that everyone doesn't live that way. Kind of like when you're like, oh, your mom's chocolate chips don't taste like my mom's chocolate chips, you know, super simple, but that ends up being things that we bump into, you know, oh, your home isn't like my home. Oh, your concept isn't like my concept. And, and when you're younger, it's just kind of like, oh, like you don't know. Okay. So fast forward that I end up dating this healer and I moved to Hawaii. <laughs> we can catch up on that at a different time maybe. And, um, and the, it's significant that the relationship is dissolving because he's sleeping with his students um, while I'm dating him. And I'm in this crisis mode of like, I'd found all this really cool stuff out about spirituality. And then I'm realizing that that just because you're into these concepts doesn't mean that you have a moral compass totally intact, um, which is true for people everywhere. You can be really good at one part of yourself and not really good at another part of yourself. It's called being human, not excusing his behavior. Um, But it isn't the point of this episode. Just catching you up with this young girl that was you know, East Coast, regurgitative learner, used to getting A's, performing, leaving safety of the corporate world and making a lot of money, transitioning to like, what is yoga? Now I'm teaching high school, transition to, um, there's people called healers and they travel around the world, transition to dating this man that like does international healing trips. So I'm just kind of on this journey, which is a little, you know, passive of me to, to do it that way, but that that's the truth. And I moved to Hawaii and, um, I know the relationship isn't going to withstand that move, but it would just sort of be easier if I moved there, I moved there, the relationships dissolves. But by the way, I'm already, um, slated and paid for to go on his, yes, paid for to go on his international trip to Peru. So I think it was like two months, I think. Three months after moving to Hawaii, I hop a plane to go to Peru for the first time. That's where the story begins when we're talking about be be the power of land speaking. So if this stuff interests you, I'm not, um, it might be a good thing to hear these concepts and start to do some research for yourself. We're just going to talk a little bit about this one really powerful moment for me. So now I find myself in the Andes, you know, and I say now I find myself because I think in a different age point, I would tell you that I got myself there. But now that it's over a decade later, I'm actually looking at like, looking at, not like I'm looking at and contemplating, how did I get there? What was the grace that even though the person and the relationship may not have been serving me, the lessons I learned being in relationship with that person served me. The eye-opening demeanor of our world served me. Why, what in me, aside from tenacity, because you can be really tenacious but not make a crossroads connection with someone or a point or a moment that could um, provide these perspectives. So when I say I find myself there, it's, it's actually from a place of, the 40s. I've mentioned that in, the, in another episode that I, or or that mindset of I'm not in control of everything. And it's foolish for me to think that all of my efforts will necessarily linearly add up. 
that doesn't mean you don't work hard. It doesn't mean you don't pursue something. But for me, it, it means like acknowledging grace and that some things happen outside of your purview, even though you could perceive it, that it was all you. So I am like, um, you know, going on horse rides up to 13,000 feet and camping on a mountaintop and watching condors and like going to literal shaman's houses, which by the way, you know, in, in, um, Peru means that you're pulling up into this dirt floored, um, humble abode that the person lives in. And there's like this little side room, not that all of them are like, this, this is the one of the ones that we went to. And I'm like, what, what is, what is this? Where am I? It's not this pristine, easy, um, consumable and marketable filtered for your ease experience, which I'm deeply grateful for. So I'm in a, um, they would call it a ceremony. It was, it was a gazpacho ceremony and, um, I'm sitting in this ceremony and I'm learning very quickly from the moment of this trip that I know very little. That I am in a world I completely do not understand. And that these, these people that have dedicated themselves to this life of shamanism, which I don't, if you can hear in my voice, I'm trying to um, access that moment of like, oh, the things that I've heard about shamans are like whitewashed. <laughs> like these are just people that are incredibly committed. And then when it's time for ceremony or it's time to do what they need to do, they become this like phenomenal version of themselves and deeply connected in ways that is not for me to un describe or explain to you just witnessing like that I, I I am in territory I have never understood before so I'm in this dispatch dispatch ceremony and um <laughs> Doña Marie who's leading us you know they're speaking Spanish which I don't speak and we have a translator one of our guides is you know can translate for us and um he translates that she says to us the woman holding so the idea is that you would sit in ceremony um to bring balance to connect with the mountains with the alpus they have a very strong connection with panchamama with mother earth and um i guess i would tell you if this is all new concepts for you it's, it's the idea that through accessing humbly and making offerings to the natural world you can restore semblances of balance in your side of yourself it's really an experiential thing and it's not exclusive to um peru uh, i just just i haven't told these stories in a while so i'm like just remembering this remarkable trip okay so i'm not understanding much emotionally i'm not understanding i mean I'm, I'm present and i'm on the journey but i'm not intellectually understanding and being able to qualify or quantify what's happening i'm just i'm just on this amazing ride in this part of my life in that moment and she says something to all of us and then and the translator tells us that she's you know asking us to um to call in the apus the mountains where you live or you know just to acknowledge the mountains that hold you and i was like what you know kate like uh, think about where you live 
And what are the names of the mountains around you? I have no clue. I have to stop and think to myself, are there mountains around me? Because, you know, mountains are like mountains, big mountains. But I'm like, actually, there's hills in Pennsylvania. Does she want to know the name of the hills? Then I remember driving in the car as a child, which we did a lot, traveling from Pittsburgh to Pennsylvania uh, for family trips. And I remember having my forehead on the glass of the family van and watching the rolling hills of Pennsylvania. Are those the mountains she wants me to call in? What do you mean the mountains where I live? What do you mean talk to the place? What, what is that? Can I say the mountains of Pennsylvania? Should I say the mountains of Philadelphia? Does she mean the Wissahickon? I walk there with my dog. Is that what she means? At some point, I realized that from my understanding that when we would travel to a different territory, a different area um, in Peru, a shaman was like, well, I am responsible for the area of this mountain. I only know that my mountain. I can't tell you about the other mountain. I can't even tell you about the other river. I can just, I'm, I'm dedicating my life to understanding this mountain, to be in communion with this mountain. I'm like, what, you're, just this mountain? Just this mountain? Oh, is that why when you walk, it looks like you're talking to the mountain? Because in your, you, because you've slowed down enough to talk about the land that actually is supporting your breath and your life and all of the things that where I'm from, we, um, don't do that because in Hawaii I had, I gotten really, um, when I had traveled there and was visiting there, I was really like blown open by nature and not just, I mean, obviously the beauty of it, but the beauty also beckons something inside of you. And I remember coming back and trying to teach that as I was teaching Walden in, um, Philadelphia high school and how one of my kids was like, I don't do dirt. I don't do dirt. I was like, how do you not do dirt? Like, how do you walk to your house without doing dirt or grass? She said, I get off the bus. It's a concrete path. I walk up to my steps. There's no, there's, I don't have to walk on the grass. Oh, that, that, I've seen that. That can be true. You don't have to actually put your feet on the earth. You can exist above it. It's still there. You're not existing without it, but we can intellectualize. And especially on the East Coast where everything is so fast and is so focused on how you think and what your, per, your perspective is. When I ask you what mountains support you or what is the name of your river? What's the name of your river? Oh, okay. What's the story of the land that you're on? Yeah. So that moment changed a lot for me because then I became acutely aware that I actually have sort of been held because all these childhood memories of climbing trees and being outside. And I'm like, what are those mountains names? It would take me a while to think about the Lenape and thinking that there were people that did did have names and did know stories and did talk to that land. And really for me, Hawaii was the land that taught me how to be in communion. There's this book about the wind gourd. And the wind gourd. And when I was in Hawaii, I remember picking it up and seeing pages upon pages upon pages upon pages of the names of the wind that are different in every valley. And not even just like one name per valley. 
I don't know if you can hear my, like, my, like, oh. Oh. That was my reaction. Like, I can specifically remember opening that book being like, I have no clue of where I live. I have no clue of where I live. I just live on something and I have never paid attention to what what wind was coming there's different I mean thunderstorms you know it's like raining and I can recall the smell of rain as a child and thunder and lightning but the name of the wind that would happen in that area that there was a repeatable wind that someone was paying attention blew my mind and it made me acutely aware so when Sharon Blackie talks about being the power of land speaking in her book if women rose rooted which talks a lot about the Celtic tradition it's not a new concept for me but the language and the invitation is desperately needed right now because here's the thing when you don't really understand where you if you don't understand something and you don't know something you don't feel responsible for it right and you're like Kate do you think I have freaking time to learn the name of the wind? I'm like, you know what? If the weather changed and prevented your internet access or prevented your ability to go to, well, pre, pre whatever we're in right now, your, your, um, your favorite restaurant or affected your work, you would, you would make the time. And guess what? It actually does do that. But we're living in this simulated reality, which is kind of in a shaky spot right now that is consistently moving us further and further away from things that we are not in control of. Like you cannot change well, I mean, I know there's other manipulation, but you can't, it's almost like we preoccupy ourselves so much with screens and things that are smaller because we can't fathom or we don't feel comfortable make, humbling ourselves or being, um, or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just that we don't even know. But here's the thing that I find funny. That was my pen cap. Sorry. Um, is that like, I know a lot of people from East Coast culture that would spend a lot of money to go on a trip to go pay somebody and think it's really interesting to learn about where that person lives. And kind of feel like, oh, I got, you know, like people would say like, oh, I went, I didn't go to tourist places. I got the real deal. I met a local. It's like, well, what about you being a local where you're from? Would anybody call you a local? Are you a local? I mean, Philly is kind of cool because Philly does have that territory, territory, love, territorial love and that intimate knowing of things. And I would like love to extrapolate that out into including the natural world and just not the boroughs. But Philly is definitely connected to herself. If you live in Philly, you are connected to Philly. And it's, you know, it's not enough to just like read a book. It's not the commitment doesn't come from like the vacation where you get to meet a local whatever that means to you and feel like you had a real experience and then go back because what that does is that you feel like you've purchased something and you've been on the skimming side of it, but it keeps your hands clean and not dirty. And if your hands aren't dirty and you don't really know something, then you feel like you can stay away from the commitment of it and the responsibility of it. But you know what that means is that you also don't feel connected. And then you spend more time in your head because you don't feel connected and you don't understand why are we all so anxious? It's because we don't know where we belong. Yeah, I said it. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think in general. And I've been saying this for a while. It's not new to me. The Black Lives Matter. Um, I don't even want to say. See, that's been going on for a while. Like the the need, the 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 current wave 
of recognition is what's drawing everyone's attention to something that has been going on for a very long time. So I don't want to say that it's new because that's not really true. And I, I want to actually give acknowledgement that it was being in Hawaii and being a singular white person in, surrounded by a different culture that really opened my eyes to like what we don't understand. And what we assume is just the same for everybody. And it's, it's just not. So it's almost interesting that even though I'm from Philadelphia, I had to be living in a different land and feeling a belonging to another place that would soften my, like, and feeling a belonging, but knowing that I am not from there and being exposed from whatever grace to, an, to um, part of the culture that is showing me how much reverence and how interconnected they are, um, Hawaiians are to the land. And then being in an education position and understanding that I could choose to promote the colonial mindset or give the power back to the Hawaiian students that are in my, um, in Kauai Community College. And um, sorry about that, but that's just what happened. The little bell that went off, but, um, and feeling like, no, I'm not going to tell you to change how you speak because I would just be repeating another white person coming to tell you how to be on your own land when guess what? You guys really seem to, my students really seem to understand how to be present and how to be from someplace and you could probably teach me. So if this is something that sort of resonates for you and you're like, okay, Kate, this is fantastic, but what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with this? I think the first step to be is to, to connect. If the concept of be the power of the land speaking, the the idea behind be the power of the land speaking is that you'd have to be in relationship and to, to have the intimacy of hearing the land, you actually have to understand that you're not at the top of the pinnacle, that you're a part of a, of a, of a family that inhabits this place. And maybe that is a little too much of a concept. So then maybe really the first place to start is just to be curious, like, like I came home and I started to research like the Lenape names for places that I've lived in, in Philadelphia. I did this like years ago and was fascinated and just read some books. And I don't, I don't, just so you know, if you don't know me very well, you just found this podcast. I, I am a big reader. I, I think one of the things I've learned is like a lot of knowledge is not in the books, but since that is something that you have access to, you could make yourself available to that. You could read Grass Dancer by Susan Powers to like power or powers. It's been so long. I have to, I would have to look that up. Uh, Grass Dancer, which is a phenomenally written story to understand the concept of storytelling that is different, that it, that it's, that there's an interweaving and there's a space of not knowing and being the power and being in communication with the land would be like that because it's not predictable, although it is cyclical. I feel like I'm sort of digressing, but I hope you're still with me. So this is coming up again, like I mentioned, because sit in your center, I really feel like to be connected to yourself, you have to be connected to the natural world, even if you're in a city, because even a city, as fast as it may be and, and as, as varied as the boroughs may be or wherever you are, it's still existing on top of the earth. And cities are different. In some ways, cities are the same everywhere. In some ways, cities are very different. And wouldn't it be amazing if the city was able to exude and be in relationship with the world, the earth with which it sits upon? And how different would it be? Because here's the thing. People are like, oh, no, but, but 
they, people have, need to have the need sometimes to escape a city, you know, to like get reconnected. So my invitation is to figure out because we're smart, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm opting on the hope for humanity here. I'm opting for the, um, the shakeup for the new way, for the way that the dreamers have on all sides, that there is, there is a way for interconnectedness and expansion and evolution to be hopeful and supportive. And, and I think that if you're not sure what to do and if you're listening here and your brain feels a little scrambled, I think that's awesome. I think being curious is awesome. And I think maybe the next time if you live in a city, as you're walking, start to notice the trees that you walk past. You could, you can like start to notice them. You can start to connect with the plants in your home. You can start to notice like what window does the sun rise through? What is the air like today? Am I just going from box to box or am I enjoying the walk outside? And is there a park that you love? Or are you in the country and you already have this relationship? Are you already comfortable with the fact that you can have and be the power of land speaking? And that's something that seems that wants to dismiss this is because it is afraid that if you were reconnected, you would be rooted. And if you were rooted and centered, then some of your proclivities that aren't serving you would fall away. Because then all of a sudden you would realize, oh, I am a part of something. Oh, I am deserving of being here. Oh, I have been held since, since time immemorial, but I just wasn't paying attention, but I'm paying attention now. And I want to learn the names of my mountains or rivers or, or figure out what birds are singing. I don't know. Worth a shot, isn't it? To consider being the power of land speaking. To take responsibility for, for existing on top of the earth with the earth eating her food, whether you think about it or not. I think it's a great time to make these curiosities something that we bring to the forefront. Thank you for listening. You, do you know that on this thing, you can leave me a message. Sometimes I get texts and um, emails from people that have listened and I love it. I totally love it. I respond to as many as I can. And um, if you're listening to this around when it aired July in 2020, uh, July 20th, 2020, sit in your center live option is there if you want to be in a circle to think about the feeling of like being rooted and grounded because we are going to go into these practices of, of reconnecting and being the power of land speaking and, and creating those curious relationships and it is for women only because that's just who's popping up for me to work with and to talk about the um, energetic anatomy and the emotions and the aperture that we're in how does this body work and making friends with it so that you can hear it. Um, I recently had a young woman say that after sitting in the sen- sitting near center that she had learned skills. And so then when she was at work and something didn't feel right, she's like, oh my gosh, I heard it. I heard my body tell me this wasn't right. So good. There is a self, self-led will run in August. If you're like, hey, I really don't have the time and availability to go into this big john and jump into it. Then jump into August. Check out at capebrenton.com. Go say hi to a tree. Thank you for listening. Thanks for finding rebirth.